You're listening to Tatiana is Everyone, an Orphan Black podcast. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm Annie. Who is filling in for Stephanie for this episode. Totally filling in. I am totally pretend Stephanie today. <laughs> so in this episode, we are talking about episode 404 of Orphan Black, From Instinct to Rational Control. So spoiler warning, if you haven't seen that episode, stop this episode right now. We are going to be talking about everything and anything that happens in that episode, but nothing after this episode. So let's go ahead and jump in, I guess, because uh, a lot of stuff happened this episode. Yeah. And some of it was very unnerving or terrifying, and some of it was hilarious. Yeah. Perfect mix. But let's let's start off talking about primarily Sarah, but there's also some MK and Dizzy and Ferdinand mixed in there. There's a lot of stuff. There is. There's a lot of. There's often a lot of stuff in in Sarah's storyline. Yeah. Well, I always say how I describe Orphan Black. It's one of the most well written but dense storylines I've ever seen in any series. But it's very worth it. So I agree. Yeah, on all that. But yeah, the episode starts off. We we get Ferdinand who gets brought into a safe house, and. Like, immediately starts making frittata. frittata? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, it's so funny. I don't know if I've seen a guy like this who's like a killer and an assassin, and yet he's so charming. I don't know if that's like, I'm just a regular guy. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> but he's not, he's not a regular guy because he's dressed super fancy. He's like a classy guy. <laughs> yeah, he's a classy killer kind of guy yeah dressed super fancy and yeah and making frittatas but yeah he he has this message from rachel in on a flash drive and he sends sarah to sarah's source who she won't give up but of course is mk to trace that message so they can you know find out where rachel is which of course just like starts the rest of the events of the episode and it all kind of goes on this crazy path roller coaster downhill uh, twisty turny ride first as off, happens with this show yeah but you know there's this kind of tug of war and give and take with sarah and dizzy because he aka says, beardy guy <laughs> yeah beardy guy who you know he says well i'm not gonna help you unless you tell me what's going on and i'm like bad idea bad idea sarah but i think i'm a little unnerved almost by sarah because she's so desperate to get this bot out of her face that she's kind of you know she's disregarding felix tells him to piss off last episode even though he's in the middle of his own thing which is very valid to him and now she's telling people who aren't in Clone Club about clones and the whole story. And I'm like, Sarah, who says you can trust this guy? I'm like, I don't think so. So I don't know what your take is on that, Chris. I have mixed feelings about it because at the same, it's, it's one of those things I feel like from Dizzy's perspective, like it, it totally makes sense. Why should he? cooperate with her you know what i mean yeah. sarah is being awfully demanding as sarah does yeah sarah of course like we know she has valid reasons for it but yeah but it's I not like she's... anybody else really i mean he has no context for any of this and yeah. i can't blame him for being suspicious because she's acting weird she yeah. objectively is acting really weird but even for her she's being excessively demanding but i'm saying he doesn't know her oh yeah yeah <laughs> so he has no context he has no baseline 
And, and she is. I mean, she's, we see her be really short with Allison, you know, with the whole pull your weight for once or whatever it is comment, yeah, which, no. not cool, Sarah. That did not make me happy. I mean, I get where you're coming from, but it's just, it's uncalled for. Yeah, it's like, Sarah, you can't treat the people that you love when you're also trying to hide out from neolutionists. You can't isolate them, even though you're under an incredible amount of stress and you've got this thing in you. But if she keeps treating people that way, it's going to be more difficult for her to find. You know, exactly. Yeah, it's going to be her more difficult for her to find Susan Duncan. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a little torn because I feel bad for Sarah. I do, and I get where yeah. all this is coming from. But at the same yeah. time, it's just. This ultimately is not going to be helpful. Yeah, yeah. Treating everybody like this. Like, I get where it's coming from, but, mm -hmm. but still not cool. Not cool, yeah. Sarah. Yeah. But it's, so. you know, but back to Dizzy, like, I, I understand why she tells him. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm never certain if it's a good idea. But yeah. Also, it's like, well, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. But I can kind of see from his perspective, from what we've seen, he's already had these, you know, shady encounters with MK because she's always trying to be off the grid. And, you know, he had this video in the first place. Where did he get it? I can see how he'd be inclined to believe her story, too. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things I, as suspicious as I am of him, just because you know, by by virtue of his being a character on this show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because it's Orphan Black. Yeah. But I don't think he's done anything so far to make me specifically not trust him. Yeah. He seems like he's not gonna fully trust him at the same well, time. No, but yeah. at the same time, I don't automatically assume he's a bad guy. Because I think the things we've seen him do have been helpful and supportive. Like telling Sarah not to get killed by stepping on a pressure plate. So, right. And yeah. he he loans Sarah his car, and yeah. as he's doing it, he's kind of like, I must be crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, he might not be a good guy, but I, I'm not assuming that he's a bad guy. Yeah, exactly. You know? And I think what was also unnerving for me in this episode was what Dizzy said about MK, which proves to be true. Like, she's dangerous if you push her too far or if she gets cornered something to that effect yeah in the right situation because in the beginning of which the is exactly what happens in this episode yeah because in the beginning of the episode we see mk and she's hacking and doing her thing and i'm like okay and then you see she's got c4 and i'm like oh crap what the you know and it was fascinating because she was looking up all the dyad files and I never do this, but I was watching the episode for the first time, and I'm all, what's she looking at? So I freeze-framed it, and I was reading all of the um, dyad personnel files she was looking up. It's fascinating, all the work that the production department puts into all of this, because it said, you know, Scott, entry-level employee, blah, 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 has been, you know, employee status terminated. Cosima uh, Neos, it's... You know, her status is, like, secret something-something, you know. And I read the same thing for, hmm. for Delphine. It was very interesting. So, anyway. But, yeah, that was fascinating. Interesting. And looking at the chart she made and, 
you know, that MK was making, which I didn't realize until the end that she was looking for Ferdinand and how she was connected to Helsinki. That was great. So. Yeah, they did. They did show at the beginning there when she was making that chart that it, it said topside, and then it was yeah, I think board of directors I at had the top. To, I had to look at that again. Yeah, so. I didn't recognize any of the names other than Marion Bowles. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. I was or at like, least not that I remember. Yeah, I was like, did you recognize any of those names? Because I didn't. There was the one name on there which seemed familiar, but I don't know if it's anything. I'll, like, I'll have to go back and look. Okay. But then underneath that was Ferdinand Chevalier. Mm-hmm. So, of course, we, the audience, are like, aha! <laughs> ah, but, yeah. but yeah. So, of course, that that also was interesting that Ferdinand was essentially looking for her, even though he didn't know who she was. Yeah. Just knew her as Sarah's source, so... But that was the whole purpose of MK's Endgame? That was just to draw out Ferdinand by warning Sarah? I don't think so. Or does MK really care for Sarah and her clone sisters? I don't know. I don't know that we ever knew that MK does necessarily care about Sarah and her sisters. Like, we know that she cared about Beth. Yeah. And I think, therefore, there's some responsibility on her part since Beth... Like, the last thing Beth said to her was to watch over the others. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like MK maybe feels like she has a duty toward them, but, I mean, she doesn't know them. Yeah. Because we still... saw that she was close to Nikki. Yeah. And we know that Ferdinand killed Nikki. Mm-hmm. Or at least it was strongly implied. I don't think taking out Ferdinand was her end game, but I do feel like it was an item on her to-do list. Okay. It's interesting because when you mentioned Beth, we still don't know what happened the night Beth killed herself, and she came back with blood on her hands and everything. Right. I mean, the couple of people I suggested as possibilities for people who had died have both proven to be alive since then, so mm-hmm. yeah, I just don't know anymore. But M- does MK know what killed Beth? But yeah, trying to figure out MK's whole plan because she still leaves Sarah after she steals Ferdinand's 3.7 million so it's not like she's planning to stick around with the sisters and get her own clone phone you know mm-hmm. and I mean that's a gutsy move also we finally know what corncob is so there you go yeah <laughs> which so. is something that that Rachel says in season three at the beginning of season three Oh, okay. One of the first things that she utters uh, when when somebody's questioning her about something after she wakes up from post-surgery. Okay. She says corncob. I was totally laughing at the uh, gif on the Orphan Black uh, Twitter account where they had the... <laughs> Tonight on Orphan Black, and they had the Rachel Pop Funko figure getting knocked over by a bunch of corn cobs. It was hilarious. Yeah, it was like mini corn. That's yeah, what they, yeah. Or baby corn. Mini corn, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, that's that's what it was. It was because I, I saw that too, and I didn't catch it on the first watch. But upon rewatch, it's like, oh, that's what Ferdinand said his password was. Corn cob, two words. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, that's why they had that on their on their page. So, sorry, again... Referring to an in-joke we have in relation to Killjoys, I am a level one Orphan Black fan, but 
question for you. So is Ferdinand in love with Rachel? And when did that happen? Yes, he is. And we don't know when it happened. Okay. But remember, last season, Sarah was pretending to be Rachel. And yeah, yeah. they had their encounter, let's say. They had their ways. Yeah. But Ferdinand was super into it. And so, yeah, it's not surprising that Which is it's weird. an actual thing. Yeah. Because I kept trying to deduce in this episode, wow, Ferdinand, he really, really, that's his motivation is Rachel, huh? He really wants to find her. Right. Well, by the end of season three, because at the beginning of season three, like we knew that they'd had romantic encounters. Yeah. Or at least sexual encounters. Mm-hmm. But then by the end of season three, when he finds out that neolutionists took Rachel, that's when he gets furious. And then yeah. it's like, oh, I think it wasn't just, it wasn't just a sexual encounter. He actually has feelings for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did like that whole show and tell that MK did in Beth's apartment with the Rachel up on the screen and everything. Yes, a projector projector presentation is is very helpful yes for a a television medium you know Mm -hmm. for the audience i mean (laughs) yes mk really does uh know her powerpoint skills (laughs) but yeah playing with candles and pouring gasoline pretty pretty disturbing but then it is when she you know pulled her hair back and showed her scar i went oh because you know, I still have not read the Helsinki comics. I haven't so, either. Yeah, I was just like, oh my god. And how many people, how many clones got killed in the Helsinki incident? Do we know? We do know. I don't have the numbers in front of me. Uh-huh. And I don't remember them. But she mentioned how many casualties there were. Because Sarah said there's 22, there's 22 clones that we know of and nine are still alive. I don't remember. Was that right? And I'm like, Sarah, don't give him the holster. Now you're giving him numbers. So again, I was was like, God, Sarah, just tell him Dizzy the whole history of Clone Club. But that does seem risky, doesn't it? Well, uh, again, that just shows how desperate she is. I think more than I've ever seen her personally. That's just in my opinion. I, I disagree in the sense that there was the thing where Rudy had Kira. Oh, yeah, that's true. Or when Daniel had Kira. Like, I think those are... Pretty desperate. Top-level desperation. That's true. Never mind. (laughs) But, I mean, she is desperate. I just... Yeah. Barring Kira in danger, I I do feel like, yeah, she's pretty desperate. And, of course, I mean, from what we find out from Kasima and Scott in this episode, she has reason to be, I think concerned at the very least because yeah. we find out that the maggot bots are actually doing some sort of gene editing some sort of gene therapy so they might be changing her dna yes into what i don't know that's the big question now yeah because that wasn't really answered was it no but there are six episodes left this season <laughs> oh god I can't believe the season's moving so fast. It feels like it's moving really fast to me. It's really fast and really, it's really, really tight. I mean, it's written so tightly as it always is, but it's really intriguing this year, particularly. That's what I'm finding. Me too. So, I'm really enjoying this season. Yeah, me too. So I love, speaking of Cosima and Scott, I loved how they said, 
Oh, that's so, Allison. The bag was fashionable and functional. Yes, <laughs> that was that was pretty great. Except, I'm just picturing Allison and Donnie decapitating the head with some garden, like weed whacker or something, and <laughs> poor Donnie. Uh, I don't know his... that it would have been that difficult, though. I don't know, but I bet Donnie lost his cookies again, or tossed his cookies again. I would have. I would not be surprised if Allison just dismissed him from the premises. Yeah. So could let me handle this. I just, yeah. Anyway. But, yeah, that was funny, watching the uh, behind-the-scenes bits where Tatiana was like, as soon as, soon as they said cut, I just screamed, because the, the whole uh, gooey head they found quite gross. I so, don't blame her. Yeah. That, it was, yeah. It was pretty, quite, pretty quite nasty. Gross. Yes. And the little, like, tumor thing around the maggot bot. I mean, yeah. Ew. there was none of that that was not gross. <laughs> yeah. Ew. But yeah. Okay, so going back, though, to Sarah and MK, because it, there, there are a couple things I want to talk about first before we go on to the, all the other stuff. Because there's an exchange between Sarah and MK, which is, I think, super interesting, super relevant where Sarah says, I know about Helsinki. Did Beth, did you tell her what happened to you? Mm. And MK says, no, she was too fragile. And then Sarah responds, I'm not, all right? I'm not going to back down. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. Well, again, that makes me think of Beth's state of mind and what happened to her. Uh, you know, I'm just dying to know what happened the night she killed herself. And why she well, was so but I mean, it's, it's so much before, or so much that leads into was Beth it? committing suicide. Because, That's true. I mean, all of the flashbacks that we saw, mm -hmm. I mean, she was already spiraling, I think. I mean, no. with the snorting drugs. Uh, drugs. Because and... we knew she was taking drugs, but... That many drugs? Yeah. That many, and the fact that she was actually snorting them, I mean... It's real in a way that it wasn't before to yeah, me. Exactly. Because now Not that it wasn't real before, but I think there's like a new understanding of how serious it was. Mm -hmm. Because there's something about the fact that she was snorting them hmm. to me, right? Like that's that's like some next level drug usage. Yeah. Well and you now know? again, yeah, we've seen it. It's not just telling about it. It's right. You know, we've actually seen it on the screen and the case she was in and then the whole, you know, Maggie Chin case and trying to figure out, I mean, did she know that Paul was her monitor and all this stuff? So she suspected if she didn't actually know. Yeah. So. But but yeah, that's what I mean, though, like spiraling yeah. thing, because it's a lot of stuff contributing to that spiral. The drug usage then, which was probably Again, we're assuming, because we don't actually know what prompted the drug usage, but it seems like it was either caused by or perhaps made worse by the the clone situation mm -hmm. and the responsibilities of that, I think. And then knowing that Paul was involved and just how deep the conspiracy goes, or at least as deep as she found out it went. But then, of course, the drug usage then led to her killing Maggie Chen mm -hmm. accidentally. And then that making things worse. And then, yeah, I mean, we don't even know what happened that night. But, but yeah, I mean, 
it's interesting to me to hear MK talk about it and how she was too fragile, which is kind of interesting because, you know, from what we've seen of MK, I, I don't know that I, I wouldn't use the word fragile, but she's clearly, I don't know, an introvert. Yeah. Right? I mean, she, she doesn't, she seems to shy away from conflict. Well, I mean, just like direct confrontation with people. Like she's. Yeah from human contact and i think well living off the grid like she is and being so paranoid i think was really having an effect on her so she doesn't interact it affects her interactions with people well i mean given what's happened to her i can't blame her yeah but anyway i mean just i don't know it was interesting to me that she had that exchange with sarah and and i feel like it's interesting because i think sarah's right you know i mean from what we've seen, Sarah's handling things surprisingly well. No. Which kind of makes sense to me because Sarah's life has always been chaos. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? From from what we've heard anyway. Yeah. So perhaps Sarah is uniquely suited to deal with everything. Mm-hmm. But I just, I, I like this, you know, I'm not all right. I'm not going to back down because I, she won't. No. <laughs> I have no doubt that Sarah won't back down. No, that's very Sarah. It is. But also, I mean, she was raised by Mrs. S, who we see diffuse a bomb. <laughs> like it's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and like, Ferdinand is so freaked out, but He's Mrs. Like, S is just sure? kind of like, eh. <laughs> Yeah. And I just leave. And then he gets up. This is wonderful. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I'd actually speculated before the season started because there were the promos and they were showing the C4 and somebody building a bomb with it. And I'm like, is that Mrs. S? For some reason, I'm thinking about Mrs. S. Because Mrs. S had that line about bombs and in one of the previous seasons. And how funny. So again, like I was not remotely surprised when they called her in to disarm that thing. Oh, yeah. Because as soon as they were there and he was in trouble, I'm like, Somebody call Mrs. S. She'll know what to do. <laughs> and then they did. And then I'm like, ah, I get to gloat. <laughs> well, what cracks me up is, yeah, it's so weird how Sarah, they have to be forced to be work, to work with Ferdinand. And now we're like calling Mrs. S to help out Ferdinand, of all people. Well, but it's, it makes sense to me because Ferdinand clearly is like a guy on the inside. Yeah. He's proven himself to be useful, if nothing else, mm-hmm. if not trustworthy. He's he's proven himself useful. So I, I think the fact that at the end of season three, he's like taking care of the guy who was his his right hand man mm-hmm. upon discovering the Neolution ties and, and basically says, you know, take Kendall somewhere. No need to tell me where I think I think the fact that he's like don't tell me where you're taking her. If if anything was going to get him some amount of trust, it was that. Yeah. In my true. mind. So since we're talking about Ferdinand and, and Neolution, let's talk about Rachel. Because we didn't get too many scenes with her, but the stuff that we saw was really interesting to me. Because Rachel and Susan Duncan have these conversations, and basically Susan Duncan tells her they need to... Well, Rachel needs to make a decision about Charlotte's care, or rather Charlotte's lack of care. Yeah. Because they have this conversation about how, you know, if they let the disease progress, it would be a useful bit of data. 
But why does Rachel get to make that decision as opposed to Susan? Well, here's my question. Would Rachel actually get to make that decision? Like, is it actually Rachel's decision or is Susan, as as Rachel was wondering, like, is Susan testing her? Exactly. Yeah, that was my... Because I feel like Susan Duncan's going to do whatever Susan Duncan wants to do. Exactly. I mean, considering that Rachel's still in a very vulnerable position physically and she's still trapped somewhere she doesn't know. And now Susan reveals that she does know that Rachel contacted Ferdinand. So why ask her her opinion about Charlotte when I feel like Susan's going to do whatever the hell she damn well wants to? Yeah. I feel like she's maybe testing Rachel's loyalties a little bit here. I mean, it's so funny because when Rachel first came on the scene, and now I'm comparing her to Susan, I'm like, damn, I don't know who's colder. (laughs) So I feel, now I'm feeling sympathy for Rachel, you know, at this point in the series. The show has done a really good job with that because, as I've mentioned several times, like, I am not a Rachel fan. Like, I'm, I'm so wary of rachel because she's done terrible terrible things like objectively terrible things yeah. yeah she was calling in ferdinand to helsinki clone club which is yeah. not okay no not okay to- at all but you know a- as you say like it's all relative right because because mm-hmm. susan is well, yeah, the apple didn't fall far from the tree, it seemed, Yeah, when it comes to Susan and Rachel. But, yeah, you think you can't get worse than Rachel, and you're looking at Susan, and I'm like, eh. Because I do feel like Rachel does actually care about Charlotte. Yes. I, I don't know that. this 100%, but we've seen Rachel have a soft spot for Kira. Yeah. So I feel like maybe it's also... Especially since she found out that Charlotte was cloned from her. So in yeah. in a sense, Charlotte is Rachel's child, which is something that Rachel has expressed Desperately desire wanted. to have. So. Yeah. And that was the thing, was that I love that bit of, it was such a nuanced expression last episode when she was told, oh, we cloned Charlotte from you. And just the subtle reaction that Rachel had, I thought that was a really good really good shot so yeah i don't know i don't know why susan's asking rachel's opinion i don't know if it'll matter in the long run yeah time will tell okay so after all the seriousness let's let's talk about allison (laughs) and donnie and felix life spring fertility (laughs) which of course gets gets started off with trina mistakes allison for beth because allison was at the the cafe with Sarah Stubbs, which makes me so happy. And they're singing. I love Sarah Stubbs so much. And I'm I'm so pleased with the show for finding these little moments to bring yes. her back. Yes. I love that they keep bringing Sarah Stubbs back. Always have her back, please. I love Tara Hazelton, who plays her. Like, she's so wonderful. We should start our own musical theater. <laughs> it's so great. And they just, like, spontaneously break into song in the middle of the cafe, which... I identify with this, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've done this before. Not necessarily breaking out into song, but... Why not? <laughs> I might have at some point. I can't remember. I can't remember. But, <laughs> you know, those moments where you get really into your conversation with your friends and... Oh, yeah. Inadvertently cause a disturbance <laughs> in public. 
Oh, I've done that a few times, but anyway. It's, it's pretty awesome when it happens. <laughs> but anyway, after Sarah Stubbs leaves, and fortunately it's after she leaves, because Trina comes up to Allison thinking that she's Beth. No. And so she starts talking about life spring fertility. And bless Allison for, for having the presence of mind to, like, follow her out and... Take a picture sort of, of not so sneakily take a picture yeah. of her. <laughs> With my phone right here. Like, if Click. anybody's holding your phone, holding their phone like that, they're taking a picture. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good that she did, because she sent it to, to Sarah, and then, of course, Sarah was sort of not cool, but but it did lead them to live spring fertility, and I love that... <laughs> well, for a second, I was like... Why can't Tony and Allison go in there? She's like, well, because Beth has been in there. Who else has left? Felix. I know. Like, even if Sarah isn't thinking about this, apparently, from what we saw last episode, at least Allison's thinking about it. And I love so much that Allison's, like, using her crafting ability to forge IDs now. I know. <laughs> Do you use a new laminator? Oh, yeah. And Donnie's so impressed with it. <laughs> I know. It, it's so great that Donnie's, oh like, God. so supportive. <laughs> so supportive of your legal idea, your illegal activities, honey. And then... Uh, oh, and yeah, poor man. Donnie's, like, not catching on to the fact that he and Felix are supposed to be the couple. <laughs> And, and Felix just gives him that sort of oh, pitying, God. yeah, <laughs> pitying comment. <laughs> and then Allison spying on him with the glasses. Oh God, Donnie, stop showboating or whatever. No, Lord and Butter, Donnie, <laughs> Lord and Butter. <laughs> but um, oh man, that whole sequence was just. I rewatched it in order to you know prep for this episode, and I missed half of the stuff that Donnie and Allison were saying on the phone. <laughs> Oh my god. You know, the, the air uh, yeah. Italia situation? Because <laughs> I was laughing so hard the first time. <laughs> I was like howling and when I laugh really hard, I just like start like just clapping and my cat was on my lap and she's like freaking out <laughs> because I'm like, oh my god, this is why I love the show. So, oh god. I have watched TV with Annie before. I can confirm that she does actually do this. And so what was she saying? I can't remember. Sir, you're seeing seatbelt is not fastened or something like that well what did she I, I have to watch it again because i missed half of it because i was laughing too hard so yeah but the, they, they went to the lavatory in yeah. in the uh airplane uh donnie and allison did but, or whatever um, allison whatever their alter egos well, were yeah <laughs> donnie's grabbing the cup at the last second i'm like oh i hope he made it so. <laughs> apparently he did Apparently he did, but we we got to see Donnie's underwear again. Yeah. <laughs> I was okay. like, oh, and there's Donnie's underwear again. Also, I appreciated that sequence of Allison confronting her friend whose name I don't remember, but I want to say is something like Julie or Julia. Yeah. And, you know, she, she starts off acting and then they move into the section where she's just like not really acting anymore. Yeah. In order to get this information from her and... Oh, that scene was so good. Mm, makes me sad. It does. It it makes you very sad. But yeah. I mean, Tatiana Masani is, as always, amazing. Just, yeah. Well, like I was saying at the point where Rachel finds out that Charlotte was cloned from her again. Example a million and one of why Tatiana Maslany is so incredible. So, yeah. yeah. But anyway, all of this information leads them to Brightborn. Brightborn. Which is apparently Brightborn Technologies, 
And the director of that is Evie Joe. Bring it gonna, back around. I was going to ask you about that. I'm all, she looks familiar. I got to ask Chris. So who is she again? Evie From the jo. first episode this season. Okay. We've got the Beth flashbacks. Remember? Uh-huh. And Beth goes to Dyad to confront Aldous Leakey. And Aldous Leakey is there talking to Evie Cho. Yeah, it wasn't. So Evie Cho, she wasn't she Aldous's assistant or no. something? No. No. Because the conversation they have is Aldous says to Evie something about, or did she say to him? I don't remember. There's a conversation about one of your subjects, one of my subjects and one of your subjects is the conversation they have. Oh. So it sounded more like peers, but I feel like they're probably both neolutionists. So what does this have to do with the Lita clones and now with babies? Huh. Well, we don't know, but we do know that at least they indicated in that flashback from 401 that Evie Cho is in charge of the people who were getting the maggot bots implanted. Hmm. Wonder if the maggot bots and changing DNA is making it possible for the clones to become fertile. I don't know. Because I'm thinking Brayboard to I don't know. I mean, there's no... I don't know. The only clone that we know of with a maggot bot is Sarah, who is already Already fertile. Already fertile, yeah. Well, I was just thinking, what is Brightborn Technologies doing in a baby clinic? So I'm just making random, totally, probably, will not be true theories. So just throwing it out there. I know. There was actually somebody who sent us a message wondering if maybe the maggot bot was actually collecting information about Sarah. Hmm. So. True. I don't know. But then why do Neolutionists need him? We still don't know that either. Well, I mean, we don't know, obviously. Because, again, this is part of the, the thing. Like, I think this was maybe before this episode had aired, though, that they sent us that message. So mm-hmm. before we found out that it was potentially a gene therapy delivery system. Yeah. So, I mean, I I don't know. I don't think there's... We don't know enough yet, is basically what I'm saying, because... I mean, it could have dual purposes, too. That's what I'm saying. Like, maybe it collects information from some people, and maybe it Mm -hmm. alters some people. I mean, we don't know. There's not enough info yet. Mm -hmm. So, moving on to Helena, because, oh, Donnie and Helena have this wonderful exchange... I early know. in the episode because helena's in in the hendrix's basement like crafting as she does <laughs> but she's moved out of allison's craft room apparently out of out of deference to allison's need for tidiness in her craft room but she's she's still making a mess but at least she felt bad that she was making a mess i know it's but it makes me gives me feels at how domesticated helena's become in, in her own way yeah but then Donnie sort of has has this sweet talk with her about mm. explaining why Allison was sort of upset and how they needed to be careful about what they said, basically. And and I, I got all sorts of feels about that because Donnie's mm. kind of like, you'll get used to it. Like, oh. Because mm. one, I, I feel kind of bad for Donnie that he's, you know, had to adjust. But at the same time, I guess that's what you do, right? Like, if yeah. you're... If you're in a long-term relationship with somebody, you, you sort of adjust to their needs. So mm-hmm. it was kind of sweet. But poor Helena, 
I mean, I, I love that whole exchange, really, because we see that Helena is very sensitive to Allison's feelings about mm. all of this. And no. But but it makes me sad because she ultimately decides that she should leave to essentially spare Allison. So was that why she decided to leave? I was like, why is she leaving? Where I think are you so. Going, Elena? So uh, yeah, I was worried at the end. I think that is what it is because I, I I don't know. It, it seems like Helena is very sensitive to the needs, and I, I think from what we've seen before, she does seem sort of concerned about the fact that she's intruding on their lives. You know yeah. what I mean? From what we've seen, even just this season, that she wanted to help, <laughs> but then Donnie's kind of like stay out of the way, which isn't really what he meant, I don't think, or or no. Not that he meant to say it that way, but I can see how it would affect Helena where she she felt kind of I don't know, guilty. Well, and maybe she doesn't want to bring even more craziness into their lives since the murders that she did of Pouchies were being investigated right. she, and They they so, did mention that this episode too, yeah. That Yeah. So I can see that Helena's feeling guilty. So yeah, but I, again, you know, you talk about the development of how now we really are pulling for Helena, and we, you know, I personally have real strong emotions for her as part of the sisters, and so does she towards her sisters. You know, such a one eighty where the series began, but yeah, so. I mean, I think I've always loved Helena, but at the beginning, it's like you love her as this terrifying figure. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like she's a great threat. You know what I mean? She's, I don't know, just the way they introduce her, she's such a wonderfully constructed <laughs> figure of terror. <laughs> but, I mean, everything they've done with her has, has been, I think, just, just wonderfully done. Like, Helena's still my favorite, you know? I love her so much. Well, now she's just a figure of terror on the side of her sister's. So, which is why she's leaving. But why did she bury the cryo tank? And she said, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't know I needed to feed you nitrogen. So are the eggs dead? Yes. Aww. Those tanks, one of my friends, I believe it was Rebecca. So thank you for this, Rebecca, actually looked up those cryo tanks. Mm -hmm. And the ones the size that Helena had, I think only lasted for, I think she said six to eight weeks. So... Who's was just her eggs in there, or that we know of? Yeah, oh, that's really sad. So I, I did think it was very sweet though when she buried the tank and kissed it. Yeah, and then she she had crafted like a little grave marker. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah. It was all bedazzled and whatnot. Mm -hmm. It's like popsicle sticks that had been <laughs> glued together and bedazzled, and it's like oh, my heart is breaking. But it's very sweet. And, and you know, she bids goodbye to family Hendrick. And mm. then I cry. <sighs> I know. And her, in her mountaineering gear to hit the road. And I'm like, where are you going to go? But you're pregnant with the twins and you need prenatal vitamins. I know. So, where is she going to go? I'm, I know. I am worried. <sighs> I am worried, too. And I hope... I don't feel like it's going to go this way, but I kind of hope that she goes and finds Mrs. S or something. I doubt she will, but maybe yeah, she'll go back know. to the 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 storage space that Maggie Chen had. I mean, I don't know. Mm, yeah. 
I don't know, I get the feeling she's striking out totally on her own, which makes no. me worried. I know. <laughs> but she's doing it for her sisters. I know. Uh, I just want to give Helena a hug. Yeah, I know. I always want to give Helena a hug. I know, Chris. I guess the only random thought that I had that I, that we haven't touched on yet was... Uh, <laughs> and I don't even... Like, I probably shouldn't bring this up, but I'm going to bring it up. They had the transition from Donnie at the fertility clinic. Oh, God. <laughs> directly to Cosima extracting the maggot bot. Very effective. I mean, again... <laughs> It's like Props hilarious and horrifying at the same time. Hilarious and so gross. Yes. This well show. Well done, show. No, yep. The show knows how to do it. So. That's quite the transition. Mm-hmm. You're laughing and cringing at the same time. I was mostly cringing. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> This is Chris in the editing room, and I wanted to get some feedback in. I, I had limited time with Annie, so we didn't get through the feedback, but I wanted to include it in the episode, especially since we're mid-season and stuff is time-sensitive. The theory I had mentioned earlier that somebody had sent us regarding extraction of DNA or, or gathering of information was actually sent to us by Purple Nevis, and the email reads, I have a theory the cheek implant bots are actually not changing the DNA of the hosts, but actually taking the DNA so that they can later be implanted in patients of the Brightborn Project. What are your thoughts? I have no idea. As you probably gathered earlier, there are just too many options, I feel like, at this point. Too many things that could be going on, as is the way of things on, on really most sci-fi shows, but especially twisty-turny ones like this one. I do like that theory, though. We got an email from Darlene saying, After watching episode 403, I think Susan Duncan shot Delphine. If you watch the scene when Susan walks to Rachel's bed at the end of the episode, the footsteps sound the same. The same shuffle noise is there when they come to a stop. I think when Delphine turns around and realizes she must be Susan, Delphine was actually asking what will happen to Rachel. I also think Delphine is still alive because Susan knows that she has been working on a cure and they need her. So thank you for sending us that theory, Darlene. I, as always, like, I, I guess we'll see. Leanne sent us an email with some remarks on episode three. She says, I don't know if Helena would give up her kids, mainly because Helena was filled with hatred for Amelia and killed her for doing that. And I'm going to, I'm going to nitpick slightly because I feel like what Helena was actually upset about was that Helena ended up where she did. Cause I think she specifically says, you gave me to them. So I, I don't know that it's so much about abandoning her as leaving her with the people that she ended up with who, I mean, they were, they were rather abusive to her. So I get your point, but I, I still think that nuance is important. Leanne also says, regarding Felix's sister, I don't trust her either. I smell infiltration by Neolution. I'd ask where Cal is, but I think he's in Marine, which of course is a Game of Thrones reference. Also, I have a question about Kendall's leukemia. When they're taking her blood for DNA, does the leukemia affect the results? Can it do more harm to Cosima? Science people, if, if, they're, if there are science people listening, please let us know. I have no answers for this. But thanks for sending that email in, Leanne. We also got an email from Nina 
saying, This season is really great so far. I hope that Rachel will realize now that her mother isn't on her side and that she eventually will be freed and join the other sisters against the illusion. She would be a great source for insider information. I still haven't understood what the worm is really about and why the neolutionists would implant them voluntarily when it changes your DNA. So I hope it's nothing dangerous, but maybe every worm is different. At first, I thought that the worm might have changed Sarah's DNA, and that's why she doesn't get sick and can have children. But then I thought that the worm we saw in her jaw was very small, so I think it was just implanted recently. And did they check Helena's jaw? But I guess we'll find out soon. That is a good question. it seems like since they were checking Allison, they would have checked them all, but but I don't know. I wonder where Helena will go now. Maybe she's going to look for Jesse, but I hope she won't be gone for too long because the sisters need her and she's been quite separate the whole season so far. I love the revelation that MK is Vera. I already suspected it, but now we have confirmation. I don't know if she will come back and work together with the other sisters because I don't think she can forgive Ferdinand for what he did in Helsinki. But I hope we get to see her again because I really liked her as a character and it was so great to see an equal opponent to Ferdinand and I still don't know if we can trust him. And thank you, Nina. And we also got an email from Fred Petrie from the Netherlands and he included some screen caps of the newspaper article that MK was showing Ferdinand and Fred actually translated it. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to leave that in the show notes for this episode. So, so you can check out the screen cap and the translation there if you're interested in, and thanks for sending that in Fred. It's, it's pretty interesting. If you have thoughts about this episode that you'd like to share with us, you can do that in a number of ways. You can send us an email at feedback at tatianaiseveryone.com. You can record a voice memo on your smartphone and email it to us. You can call our listener voicemail line at 972-514-7223. You can leave a comment on our show notes at tatianaiseveryone.com slash 103. We're also on Twitter at TIE Podcast. And we're also on Facebook. Tatiana is Everyone is part of the Ask Genre TV family of podcasts. We've got podcasts for Killjoys and Lost Girl and some other things, including our new podcast, Phanalysis, on which we're covering Winona Earp and The Hundred currently. You can find all of those at AskGenreTV.com. And in this episode, Allison's non-surreptitious photo taking was played by Tatiana Maslany. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.